Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's unpredictable. He's relentless. He's fearless. He's smart. He's a jerk. Oh, man, what a jerk. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? He's talented. He's blunt. He's complicated. He's the fakest tough guy I know. He's honest. A self-proclaimed weenie. He's angry. He's actually a good guy. He's a psycho big mouth prick. I wish we had more Kirk Minahans. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? Combustible. Unpredictable. Venomous. Chesty. Obnoxious. Selfish. Polarizing. Pompous. Enough about me. Let's get to the show. It's Kirk Minahan's Enough About Me. It's almost embarrassing if I have to describe Bob Ryan to anyone listening right now. He is the legendary columnist of the Boston Globe, the legendary beat writer for the Boston Celtics. I grew up during the Larry Bird years, and I've got the chance to work with him on radio and TV, where he's gotten a little bit of trouble, and to get in some more trouble recently with ESPN. He called Mark Jackson a Bible-thumping phony and got a two-week suspension for it. It was a very stupid. I mean, I'm so angry with my own self. That's that's And, and the, I was treated exceptionally well by by ESPN and so I just want this to go away. Do you think look, I'll just I'll just ask you this. If if Mark Jackson uh, was still an NBA coach or worked for CBS or Fox Sports, he don't think he would have been suspended though. Absolutely not. Right. No, it was all about a Lodge brother thing. Right. And it was dumb. You know, they couldn't they couldn't allow me to to um, I'm saying I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about it. Well, can I just, but they, can I they just... couldn't allow me and I, I wouldn't if I were them it would be the same thing. I totally <sighs> understood their point of view. They couldn't allow me to denigrate a large brother. That's all. If you know, if you work for Fox, so would nothing would have happened. I, I guess what's different for us is at least in my in the business that I do, you know, we I you know, dump on people all day I work with. I mean, that's kind of part of the well, business. It's not part of the and that's not the way the world of, in the world of Disney. Yeah, the world Apparently. has changed. Well, that's fine. Do you I, think do you think that the globe treated you fairly 14 years ago? Oh, now that one I'd love to talk about. Uh, no. Uh, and I think... Because be, I don't, by the way. Because, no, I deserved like two weeks, perhaps. And How did you get? Nothing to do with the globe. But, you know, I thought the month was really harsh. It was exceptional. Jesus, that's a lot And I suspension. thought... Um, and I couldn't... And it wouldn't allow me to do anything. And I didn't fight it. I didn't go... You know, I didn't go to the union and, and file a grievance. Some of the people might have. Because did they have a right to prevent me from not only working for them, which is their right, but for, for doing anything. I so wait a minute. I was so told, you could do ESPN? You could uh, do sports reporters? No, 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 nothing. No TV, no radio, no speaking. Uh, you know, no, 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 no public activity. Nothing. Well, how, how, I was how grounded was, for how does a month. How that work? It worked. I just went along with the program. You just said, fuck it, I'm not going to. I just, uh, you know, and, and um, I just so I sat out a month. And, I mean, and it just so happened, as luck would have it, it was a month in which I did have some speaking engagements, which I did have. I figured out it cost me about $23,000. Jesus and, Christ. And I figured it was two weeks for the Globe and two weeks for what was then West 43rd Street, was then the headquarters right. at the Times. Right. And remember, the Times owned the Globe, and he had just purchased the Globe about a year ago. Uh, you know, no, they had, no, I'm sorry, Marty, uh, Marty Barron. Uh, you know, the star of Spotlight. The hero. Was, right. And who deserves to be the hero of Spotlight. Sure. Um, yeah, he was impressing the bosses, I think, a little bit with that. Uh, you know, so that and, – and it took me a long time to, for that to kind of blow away. Every once in a while, people make reference to that. Now, of course, the irony of the whole thing, of course, which amount of kid is she and Jason eventually did get divorced. Right. Um, you know, and that uh, Jason probably did uh, get sick of her and vice versa. But nobody – but nobody thought uh, – no, this is, this is where I get in trouble sometimes is my defense will be – you know, nobody thought that you were actually advocating. For it was hyperbole. But that's what I mean. It was so strict, with a utter brain. hyperbole. And the problem with that one was yeah. that I had forgotten or not taken into account that the she had history, been hit. Right. She had been hit by Germanic Kid. That seemed to exacerbate. By Jason Kid, yeah. Jason Kid. That 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 seemed to have exacerbated that situation. Obviously, no reasonable, rational person on earth thinks I was serious. If it's me, and sometimes I get crazy. There's part of me at that point that might just say, because you're a desired guy at that point, that's 02? I was 03. 03. There's part of you that could have said, you know what? After the month's suspension, you could have said, screw you. I'm leaving. I'm going to ESPN. I'm going somewhere else. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Was there ever a temptation? Did you come close to doing Not a temptation. But do you know who actually called me up 
uh, you know, and among the many people who caught up in, you know, in offering support and right. I won't say sympathy, you know, yeah, but yeah, empathy, yeah. you know, yeah. and, 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 and was kind of give me a pep talk and even were offered to set up a, a, a discussion with his boss about possibility of Donald Trump, Jerry Callahan. Right, yes, I believe that. I believe that that's true. He Jerry, wrote about it. I Jerry Callahan did indeed. I can remember exactly where I was. I was visiting. Uh, we were spending a weekend in in, Wolf, in uh, Moultonboro, New Hampshire. So uh-huh. anyway, um, but I didn't. No, I, I I liked my position at the Globe, and I just wanted to get back and get going. And, and you know, you know. So no, no, I did not give it any serious consideration. And of course, now and and it's a time when I got along fine with Marty Barron, and yeah, and everything's fine. You know, I didn't hold a grudge or anything like that. I just wanted to once again. I just wanted to get. You you know, get back in where I was. Just get get back and have get back to my job. Over the years with the Globe, was your contract year to year? Was it no contract. No, I was a union member. Oh right, so we were the guild. You know, the Globe Union. Right. I had no contract. I've never. I never had a contract. It was always a. So you could walk. I was, in any I time? was a member. Sure, I was a member of the union. That was it. I had no contracts issues. Oh yeah, if I ever wanted to walk, I I could have walked. Yeah, I did. Were, I did uh, in '82. Right. I went to Channel Five. And that was a very interesting chapter in my life because uh, I answered the question. The question, the answer to the question of is just how you want to spend the rest of your career. Is so you were a solid speed writer at the time. At no? that time, I had gotten off. I had just gotten off uh, uh, for the second time after '82. Uh, uh, I was I, I was kind of well, not washed out, you know, but I, I've had enough at that moment, and uh, I was I was going to become a, a feature writer, and and I was going to get a chance, you know, NBA at large, but not mm-hmm. the Celtics. And and um, I remember talking Dan. Shaughnessy. I mean, having bringing them down to my house for dinner and everything. You know, you got to be the guy. I want you to take this job. I want you to take this job, which he did because uh, you know his baseball was wasn't his his first love. Mm-hmm. Basketball, very definitely his second love, but it's a distant second. Right. Okay. That's right. All right. Fine. But he and he did take that job. So and then in the interim, you know, we had that story was all about. Ray Fitzgerald, the great Ray Fitzgerald mm-hmm. had died, and it was a columnist vacancy, and I always assumed, and, and with good reason, believe me, that I would be the next official columnist, uh, led to believe that by the people at the Globe, and uh, they didn't give it to me. They gave it to Mike Madden. Now, I had nothing against Mike Madden personally. We're friends, and, and, and fine, but but uh, I thought I was deserved that so job. You get, so, you, so you think you get screwed over, so Channel 5 calls. So I was vulnerable. Right. Clark Booth walks up to me and, right. and, and, at Ray Fitz's funeral, by the way, and, and you know, and, and says, uh, uh, you know, he was leaving his position as this, this with the sports job at Channel Five to go to do you know other stuff, news and stuff, and and he thought I'd be great for his job and, and, and gave me you know told me he really asked me to consider uh, going to work at Channel Five. Well, I was a little susceptible to the flattery, and I was also feeling sorry for myself about what was going on at the Globe, and so he hit me at the, just exactly the right time, and I said, yeah, you know, I had been at the Globe fourteen years. And you know, and uh, uh, it, it was enticing. It was, and and and, and I did. So I went. What to, did I, you do at Channel Five? What, what I did your... was uh, what, a, a job that no longer exists, but basically because they don't have any time. But in those right. days, this is the golden age of local television, sure. where the nightly sportscast had about six to seven minutes, and I the remember, weekends yeah. had nine to twelve. Right. And so somebody could come in as a reporter and and do a daily piece, uh, you know, five days a week, uh, either by covering a game and doing what they call a like package. An essayist? A package. No. I know. I covered, you know, the, the package uh, or right. or do. Or go interview somebody and set up a little scenario, a little story, a little human interest, whatever it is. And then they also gave me a thing uh, we called it the Ryan Report with a nice little logo with a notebook, and it was basically a notes column on the air. Right. You know. And I, did and you with, find this satisfying? No. And no. that's why I left because uh, the, the, what, the, the the overarching reason is that unlike journalism, unlike print journalism, it's a completely collaborative medium. You need a, a, a story. You need a boss to right. help you get an idea. You need a story editor to prove it. You get, get a camera person to coordinate his or her time with the interview subject. And, and that can get dicey sometimes. Then after you do the interview, you come back, you screen your tape, and you, you write down where the sound bites are that you might want to use, and you write your copy. Then you have to get into the edit room. You, you, you plot, you know, you get a, a time given to you in the edit room. Well, sometimes people run over the time before you, and now you, instead right. of having an hour or an hour and a half, you have 40 minutes, or four, and, and, and you're not doing the job you, you want to do also all editors aren't created equal. Correct. Some are better than others. Right. Uh, and I didn't, uh, you know, and, 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 and so all this added up to that maybe two out of five days a week, I liked what I got. I right. really like, and, and that's not good enough. And that's A, B, plus the lifestyle was different, completely different. Travel was different. Uh, everything was different. Uh, and the most amusing part was that you got paid overtime to go to the game. You got paid, you, your, your, your salary was based on, on, on an eight-day workday. And if you went to cover the game at night, which is a, a, a Celtic game or a Bruins game. So or extra, they pay you for four hours You got paid, hours? you got overtime. Really? I thought that was great, but I thought that was stupid. How so long did you last there? Uh, 
One year uh, and two months before I, I decided, uh, after having a conversation, I have to back up. There's a connecting thing. I was going I about. No mem- I have no memory of this. For I was some going reason. about two months. This, this is yeah. from this is September of '82. I left. Oh, I was young, but okay. About two months later, I got a call from uh, Vince Doria, the fourth editor of the Globe, yep. my boss, and he said, "You think you could do two columns a week for us on the side?" I said, "No, that's a job, but I could do one." One, okay. one week and work out one. Right. And so basically for the final – for the next 17 months, I went in on basically every Monday morning right away and wrote out – wrote a column on anything, you know, and, and then I went over to Channel 5. Do you find yourself it. looking forward to the writing part? Oh, positively. I, yeah. loved, I love being – so I can truthfully say I, I have never left the Globe and that I've been in there for the best – you know, continually since 1968. So you must have had legit offers over – I'm going to guess the National – Very few. Sports Illustrated. Very That's few. That's not true. True. Is that true? Very true. What's the big – what's the big – what's the, the offer for – Forget, forget that you went to Channel 5. What's the writing offer that you got over the years? And I know you got one or two that you said, I think there's a good chance I'm going to take this. Never. Never. The closest one was in Los Angeles Times since 1976 was talking about baseball. And the way they wanted to do baseball was a wall-to-wall spring training to the end of the World Series with you know, very little time off. I knew that wasn't going to fly. Man, baseball know. beat writer to me seems like a shitty beat. Well, though. but uh, I know. No? No, yes. Oh, now it's you worse. Love baseball, oh, now but... it's worse than ever. Wait, oh, now I couldn't imagine any beats in any sport, but baseball least of all. Oh, positively, right? The truth. Uh, you got. I mean, it's 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 a well, killer. I think about you. Know, I'm, I'm real good friends with a guy like Bradford. I mean, he's got to get there four hours before the game. You stand four, there, five, six. You got to stand there like an idiot in the, in the locker room. You're the late players you're, give you nothing. You're late, late if you're four hours. And you are. And you're right. Between the life of the game, you are tweeting seventy times. You're. You're, you're, you're posting five or six blogs, right. post-game and none, blogs, and none of this, write a None of this existed at the time. It was simply a matter of the— Right. So, look, here's my—I'll give you a total summation. Go at ahead. the end of my first year covering the Celtics in 1969-70, I got a call. Uh, Bill Tanton, of the sports editor of the Baltimore uh, Sun, uh, talk, wanted to talk to me and uh, about going, going down there to cover the bullets. And uh, obviously that was not what I was— I said, thank you very, very much, and, but no, you know. Right. Celtics versus bullets, come on. Right, you know, right. And I don't want to— And I, you know, Baltimore. I nothing against Baltimore. Baltimore. A, uh, I did, in fact, look, my goal in life when when I was in B.C., a student was to write for Sports Illustrated. I won't be. I won't deny that. And uh, my big idol was Frank DeFord. Well, you've written stories for Sports Frank Illustrated, DeFord. though. I yeah. did. You know, I did one cover story, and I did a bunch of uh, during the years uh, uh, back when they had them. They don't have them anymore. Advertising supplements. Right. I wrote. We well, did the Bird Magic. One. Yes, that right. was my one moment right. of cover story. And at the at the and and surprisingly, they didn't edit that at all. And, really? Yeah, oh, I was amazed. Yeah. Totally so you, amazed. So DeFord contacted you by that side? No, it wasn't DeFord. It was Mark Mulvoy. Okay, who right. was a BC yep, and BC. brother of Tommy, who mm-hmm. was then a Globe. Editor, right, and 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 uh, you know had many titles. What year is this? Uh, this is after my first year as well, and they, uh, seventy, and uh, and they wanted they're talking about entry level position, and you know it wasn't. Right. And then there was one other brief talk about two years later with Mark, but it didn't really go anywhere. And I'm telling you, the last time anybody in, in journalism or anywhere else talked to me about going to do anything other than work for the Globe was 1976, until that day in '82 when when we came when Clark came up to talk about going to Channel Five. I find that unbe- I find that unbelievable. Well, maybe they just thought I was. <laughs> too entrenched or too entrenched in the globe. I fine. I was. Yeah. And by the way, I was. You know. I mean, right. I, I. No, I understand. Remember, I'm an out. People are all, often surprised when they find, oh, you're not from here. Well, no, I'm not. I'm from Jersey. I came up here to go to school. Uh, but I'm associated with the city. I'm proud of that. But you are. I'm from, proud of but that. But you're now from here. Yeah, I am. I mean, granted, at some point you're but, from here. Uh, yeah, I am, and right. I'm proud of the being associated. When people think about Boston, if 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 ESPN, if Mike and Mike think about Boston, you know, they they want to call me. I like that. No of course. I, who, who, who wouldn't? Did you like doing the big shows back before they you know, kicked the globe out? Did you enjoy that experience? Yes, you yes, did? I did. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, positively. Yeah. No, we. Oh, oh, yeah. I did. Oh, I, I've always loved radio, and 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 I do. You know, right now I don't have any local. I, I do have one local gig. It's been going on for thirty three years. Can I mention the name? Absolutely. Yeah, Lauren and Wally. I remember W R O R. They've been one hundred five point seven forever, and they've been through different incarnations, and now they're R O R. They were they were VBF, and we were K L B, and now they're R O R. These guys have had a hell of a run. I don't care. Well, you know, it's I mean, got to be unprecedented in American uh, radio well, history. Matt Siegel's almost done the same. It's it's insane. But how about a partnership? How about a partnership? How are those guys get along? Great, as far as I know. Right. I don't think there's any. Uh, Must hidden. be nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been doing them uh, since 1983. Uh, every Thursday. I remember driving. My dad would drive me this, to grammar school, and I would hear. Mm-hmm. You, I remember. You know, you, you know who else you would know who else used to be on there every week was Bill Fitch. Well, that's how I succeeded him. Really? That's who I remember first listening. I to. succeeded. Well, that yeah. story is that they had a person for each sport. Right. That would and 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 like uh, and uh, Bill Fitch when he left after '83, mm-hmm. they come to me and said, "Would you like to?" And I said, uh, I, I, "In fact, so I said, sure, great." And after about two years, they said, "You know, we'd like to. How would you? How would you feel about doing it all year?" 
and every week, you know, and and, and they nickname me Mister Everything because we're right. franchise. We talk about movies or whatever sometimes, whatever it is. And uh, so I've been doing it for all those years. I was going to say that is my only local outlet that I'm in radio now. But I have three different, you know, gigs of phone interview Corners, things yeah. once a week with Tony Kornheiser, right? Uh, uh, my, my old friend Marty Terrell, who's had. Countless incarnations, yeah, uh, both here and in the Midwest. He's right. now back in Des Moines, and I do a thing three times a week now for him. And I, and I also write a thing for their website uh, periodically. And uh, uh, the final one is one you'll be surprised, but it's been great, and I love it. And it's Primetime Sports in Toronto. Really? Yes. And uh, uh, the guy's name is Bob McCowan, and he's a very interesting kind of st- – he's American, but he's been up there a long time. Uh, and I love doing that show. And, and, it, and the cool thing about that is it's a national show. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here. I'm thinking you know, about being heard in the Maritimes and in, and in the, uh, the, the Yukon Territory and in Chicoutimi <laughs> and in Swift Current, home of Reggie Cleveland and right. wherever. Or Churchill where the polar bears walk sure. down the street, right. not to mention downtown Toronto. That's a fun gig. I like. So that's my three radio things, but nothing in Boston. Other than Lauren and Wally, which is, you know, so. What do you, uh, this is the thing, that's sort of a constant theme on our show. I guess we talk about a lot when these situations come up. It seems to me that the younger generation, and I'll just put myself sort of, I'm 41, so I'm sort of in the edge of reason when you talk about younger generation and below, there's not a lot of voices of dissent anymore. I'm not sure where that's born from. I'm not sure why. But really? if I read the newspapers today or I go on Twitter with these young beat writers or with these young guys, I don't know who. And just I'm just focusing on this city, really. I don't know who the next Borges is going to be. I don't mm. know who the next Shaughnessy is going to be. I don't know that guy. And I don't always get along with those guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think you need that voice of dissent all the time. You need people asking questions. Do you get that sense too that that, that, that this I hadn't thought about that in that context? But as you speak, I'm thinking. You know, he, I think Kirk's right. I, I can't think of who that would be uh, necessarily. I mean, it was never my. It was never my. No, but you, but you would not be afraid to do it if you. No, I had to do it. No, I swung the cleaver when I had to, but it right. was not my shtick, and I didn't. You know, I tried to do it ju- judiciously, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I've, I've had a few, but uh, uh, that's not my. It's not my. I think contrarianism uh, is needed. You need it somewhere. You need no, a it's slice a good, of it I think somewhere. that's a very good point, and I don't see it either uh, in either of the two papers. Can I give I, you my theory as to why? This is my just my theory. I think it's Twitter's a big reason why. I mean, I know I take – just me. I take a lot of heat on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Guys like that, you know, some of these people take a lot of heat on Twitter, and I just don't think they want to see it. And I think if they write something negative, they're going to get bombarded. Social media, I think, has changed oh, everything. I, I don't think we have the full – you make a good point. I don't think we have a full grasp of, of all the ways it has changed everything. Uh, but, boy, it has. There's no question it's uh, – and there's some good. There's some good with it too, but I think there's some bad too. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of bad. And I mean, and, and I think it's and you know, the teams are terrified of it. You know, whether it's colleges or pro teams, or, uh, or what, what, what evil. You know, what messes, what poop can be dispensed. You know, for, by their players. Uh, uh, you know, with with, with uh, Twitter, and there's no question. Uh, how many times do people have to backtrack and apologize, and and you know, and get shut. And, and colleges, are, a lot of them, are, you know, got, I don't know how many. Some at least, you know, try to prevent and govern the whole use. Of Twitter, sure. at least during a season. But think of it. If you're a 24, you're Bob Ryan, 24 years old, and I've mm-hmm. worked with you a little bit. I've done some radio with you. I've done some TV yeah. with you. I'm not going to say you have a short fuse, but I don't think you like to be governed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, I've seen just, you know, if you go and you start at the Globe right now, they're going to say, Bob, great, fantastic. Here you go. Get out there. You have to tweet X amount of times a day. Mm-hmm. You have to do this. You have to do that. I mean, I got to think that would drive me well, crazy. That com- but that comes out of the heading of, you know, if that's all you know, you only know what you know. No, that's like, true. That's it's true. like um, my feeling about television and, 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 and the things that bug me about television that don't seem to don't seem to have bugged many other people who have had long, you know, happy careers in television. It's, if they started out there and that's the way you understand that's the way the world is and, and those are the working conditions, oh, they have those are the parameters. Yeah. All right, fine. I'm right. just saying. Right. I'm just giving an example. It's the only one I can relate to. Sure. Uh, uh, but I had a... A whole other, a whole other way of doing things, and 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 it, it was, uh, you know, I had a hard time adjusting to the whole style of, of of the mo of television. You know, I could do it. They were happy. I had a two year contract. They didn't want me to leave, uh, but they were very gracious. They gave me a because it's a great story. Uh, you know, I think you'll love this one. Um, uh, okay, so I go in and I announce in December of two thousand um, uh, three. Yeah. Uh, that I would like to leave. And they said, well, we, you know, we're gonna, but, you know, you, you, we have to get a replacement first, you know. So I said, I understand that. December of 2003? Yeah, well, I, I started 
93. 93. 90, 83. What am I 83. talking about? 83. Okay. Yeah, I'm there. I started in 82. Oh, you're talking about Channel 5, right? Yeah. Yes, so yeah, I yeah. walk in and I say, you know, okay, I'm, I'm not really pleased. You're out, pleased. right. Okay, fine. So uh, they said, well, you have to be um, uh, wait till we get a replacement before we can let you go because they were happy. They wouldn't want to let me out of the contract. And um, – the second year, and so okay, fine. So uh, after a few mo- a month or so, they found a replacement. The only problem was I had to wait. Uh, he had a contract, and he was in such a contentious relationship with his employer that they weren't going to let him out one second early, just for spite. Really, Keith Olbermann. <laughs> Does that <laughs> shock right. you? He came to Channel Five. He came right. to Channel Five from from CNN. Jesus, and it was genius. was O'Reilly there was, then? No, I don't know where he was in yeah. eighty in eighty three. I don't know right. where O'Reilly was. He might have been here at Channel Seven. It's hard to now. describe the people, and I'm sort of at the at the at the young. I, I'm I think my generation, my age, kind of last people remember it. You can't describe to somebody who's twenty, thirty years old what Lynch meant, what Lobel meant. Oh. Guys like Dino and Numi and uh, Clark Booth. Yep. These guys were – a guy like Lobel was it was an absolute giant in this city. Totally. I don't mean to disrespect like the Joey Mercinos and the Rochis, but they don't they, – they, they just don't register anymore compared to those guys where, like you said, you got seven, eight minutes. There was no sports center really at that point. Oh, there no. There was no national – there was no you know big no. Interna- national magazines. There was no cable television really. These guys were – you would wait for these guys for stories. Positively. Uh, it was – Utterly different world, and, and but you know, cable, right? Blew everything cable away. Came along uh, big, and 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 there were, there were few choices. You had you know the network stations were everything, and uh, that was a very different. Oh yeah, it was very amazing. Mike Lynch's, you know, Mike. I remember when Mike started. Um, he uh, was doing. He was first of all was on radio WITS, which was you know fifteen ten, the old WMEX, and he was playing records. At, at one point, you know, old. Uh, he's, I remember still hear him talking about playing Patty Page records, and then he <laughs> became a weekend. Sportscaster, right? And uh, he worked so hard at, at getting perfecting what he was doing. And I, I remember he'd, we'd, I'd be there maybe on a Saturday night, and uh, he'd, he'd do his thing, and then he'd go right into the, you know, take the cassette and go in and study it and see what he did right and what he did wrong. And he took it so seriously, uh, you know. And it was no surprise to me that he that he's, you know, that got to be where you know, who he is. The other the other thing that's hard to, to describe to people now, and I don't, you'll never see it again, I think, on a, on a local paper scale anyway, is the influence that Will McDonough had. Mm. I mean, he was an absolute There'll never be another Will giant. McDonough, and, you know, for, for better or worse. You know, I mean, I, I, I used to say I didn't even when I barely felt I was in the same business as him, you know, with, with, with the way he went about what he did. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, his relationships were uh, um, incredible, you know, and, uh, and they, he had no problem. He, he, he did not believe in the concept of conflict of interest. He thought that was a joke. Right. He did it his way, and his way uh, oftentimes— How would you have handled Deflategate? Uh, my guess is now he had a good relationship with Kraft. My relationship is yeah. he'd have a good relationship with Goodell. He'd probably have oh, a relationship with all these he guys. He had right? a great. Yeah, he would have had. I don't know, because he, right, he had a great, He always had a relationship with the commissioners. God knows. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the, the Patriots. Uh, it's so interesting. He he you know, didn't live to see this whole Patriot thing become what it became. You yeah, know, he died right after the first Super Bowl, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, never. Yeah, I'm glad he saw that. But I mean, he cared about football so much and that league so much. Uh, yeah, it was nobody. There was nobody like him. Did you uh, like him? Oh yeah, we were. You, know, you I, got along oh, well. I, oh Willie, yeah, yeah. I, oh Willie, I was fine. Uh, but uh, would it bother you? This, was, with, with that conflict of interest stuff. Some of, yes, would you, you know, argue I couldn't. About it or? No, no, you couldn't. No, you kid him, and you know he'd laugh. You know, it's it's only conflict if it conflicts with my interest. He used to say something like that. You know, and uh, you know he didn't. No, he didn't. He had no no conscience about it whatsoever. Uh, you know, and that amazing story he wrote about the whole Parcells. You Incredible. Know, uh, you know, there was well, you'll never see anything like that right. naturally. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was, a, he was a, you know here's Parcells. He won't talk to anybody. You know, won't. You I mean, he won't. I mean, he won't allow his assistant coaches to talk to anybody. And he, you know, but he and Billy, he and Willie were like, you know, Willie had the complete pipeline, you know, total. Uh, just went back to when he was a linebacker coach with the Patriots, and Willie befriended him. Right. And he never, uh, he never forgot it. And, Would he have uh, a good relationship with this belt with Belichick today? This Belichick. He had a, well, Belichick. You know, well, I know, but he's different now than he Belichick, was. Belichick. Yeah, I remember Belichick. Well, Belichick, of course. Yeah. I think he would have, you know, he came to the funeral, but that was early on in his right. tenure. I think he felt like, everybody felt like, my, you know, you, you got to show, you got to go pay your respects, you know. There won't be another writer laid out in the Boston, in a TD Garden in, you know, <laughs> no, in, in the, our lifetime or any others. That's I mean, safe to say. That's how, or, that's how huge Willie was. And uh, uh, funny thing about Willie, he didn't care about the writing. You what know, you from mean? a writing viewpoint. From a stylist point, you mean? Didn't or? care. He, he just banged it out. 
and and uh, he just wanted the story as much as anybody ever knew. He lived for the story and and the scoop and and no one knew what you don't know. And he always said he was going to write a book called The Rest of the Story. Right. You know. And and I was I would have liked to have read that book. Sure. You know. I mean, all the uns, all, all the all the loose ends that he that he couldn't or didn't want to share at the time that he did know he was always going to, but he never did write that book. But he said he uh, he said he was going to. You'll write. Until you're done, right? Um, writing is still fun. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to think that they when were, were you, when were you not not your not that you're gone, but yeah. when did you officially? Leave? I officially retired. Twelve, thirteen. The uh, London Olympics. My last official act was to, was to write the gold medal story for the men's basketball at London. So that's hit, July 2012. That was uh, August 12th. Was the August? Date. Okay. And I hit that send button. I had already written in advance the the farewell yeah, right, column. Right, right. Wrote that a month earlier in at the Residence Inn in Southington, Connecticut. I was down there on a Saturday night before sports reporters. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, I I was in the mood when I got I finally got I got something at all. Coalesced, Something you know? clicked, right. Yeah, I said, okay, let's try it. I was because I wanted this to be very, you know, specifically good. I want if I ever wrote something good, I wanted it to be this farewell column, and uh, I wrote it there that Saturday night and tweaked it maybe very little uh, before they finally, uh, you know, appeared in the paper. So it was in the paper that day, you know, that I was retiring, and because uh, I had spilled the beans, uh, on, much to my boss's. Yeah, what did you do? It? I was on a, a podcast with Bill Simmons. That's right. And, That's right. And 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 uh, I I in February of 2012, and I basically said, yeah, this is probably going to be it after the London Olympics. And Joe Sullivan, uh, you know, who, who was not happy. You know, they wanted the you know scoop, but he got over it. it took him about one day. This, this is not what I would call not uh, not that's the most earth shaking. You know, this is not what I would call one of the uh, most relaxed retirements in history, though. It, yeah, but you know, I, and here, I see I'm living up to exactly what I said in in it. I said retirement is a uh, technical term. Mm-hmm. It means I am no longer going to be the employee at a company for which I've worked for 44 years full time. I'm, I'm going right. to be off the paywall. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm you know, but, so you get paid per shot now. But the, yes. Do you I think mean, you still write as well as you did? 30 30 years ago? Not consistently. I, no, uh, and I said that in the piece when I retired. I could tell – I looked at some things I had done. I went, whoa, I did that. Hmm. You know, I don't know if I could do that anymore. I'm amazed at some of the stuff I did. Like what? Be honest, I mean, what you're talking huh. about when? Like in the huh, 80s? In the 80s. It? Particularly, I think I peaked in the 80s. But I you think wrote so much. I, wrote, I, I mean, I speculated that in the book, you know, that, right. that uh, uh, the bird era – bird specifically and the bird teams and the, and the NBA at the time – raised my creative, you know, fostered my creative juices more than anything that's ever happened. I think I was as good as I ever was uh, uh, in, in the 80s, you know, and uh, right covering Bird. I'm not, emba- I'm, I'm not embarrassed to admit this. I, there are times at night when I can't get to sleep. I will occasionally, not not even occasionally, often think about those. That's the teams I grew up on, the 80s, 80s Celtics. And wrote, my dad and I, we, they, my dad split season tickets with a coworker. Mm-hmm. Section 114, row J, row J, seven seats and eight. Uh, seats seven and eight. Where we sat... This the the big old scoreboard was there. Mm-hmm. I had to go under and look under and see. Oh yeah, it. and then you had the two you had the two scoreboards like on the side on the know? side. So I, I can only see the home on one side and the road on the other. We get a hot dog and go. You'd see rats all the time at halftime. You go back, <laughs> people are smoking. They'd be bitching and moaning. You go the the, the the arena was smoky. You go there and you would watch these guys and it would, it, especially a lot of the Wednesday night home games. It would dominate my day. I'd wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to see Larry Bird play basketball yep, tonight. Yep, and I yep, told yep, my friends, yep. and I'd go pretend I was Larry Bird at lunchtime. And you know what? Those guys don't understand that. I, I went through this with Cowens, you know, who was my favorite personality right. ever. You know? Right. And, and I remember having this, trying to explain to him, you know, he had no idea. He's not a fan. He right. was not a fan. Well, Bert, Bert has not, always said. Did he, not grow up as a fan. Right, didn't watch so, any games. So he didn't understand. No, and I didn't. The first game he ever saw was his own first NBA game. That's what he says. Yeah, true. And, I mean, he, uh, you know, he had once went to an ABA game. He was taken because he's from, you know. India, he, right. He's not, he didn't grow up that far from Louisville. You're just as well well, flying to go to French liquor, just as well flying to Louisville as opposed to Indianapolis. And and, and some relative took him to a a Colonels game back in the 70s and the 60s, and and he didn't even know it was a pro game, he said. (laughs) It just was a higher level of basketball. I'm thinking he told you this. I'm thinking this. I read this in your book. Yeah. Yeah. So that's who he was. But he wasn't a fan. Cowens wasn't a fan. And and they don't understand what what you just identified. I can relate to that. Right. I was an Emma fan. Right. I'm look, you know, and and uh, I mean, to me, that's my whole hook is right. that I'm a fan, and uh, so many writers are uh, do everything they can to disassociate themselves from fandom. They, they want to set up this wall of of, of uh, uh, detachment, including your pal Shaughnessy, and including my, my pal right. Shaughnessy. And it works for him, right. but doesn't work for me. Right. My whole thing is grounded in being a fan. Anyway, but what you just identified, I totally understand. Now, at some specific point, did anybody did, did, was it somebody said you now? You know, Kirk, 
it's this is as good as it's ever going to get. My dad, my dad Did would he say, recognize and my, and my dad grew up, you know, with Russell, good. but he would yeah. say to me like, you have to, but that that doesn't sink in. Like I will tell, you know, there are twenty two or twenty three year old kids right now who all they know is that the Patriots are great. Like they don't under <laughs> they they don't understand. You would say to them like, you know, my buddies and I used to drive to the stadium in high school at the game, just walk up, get tickets. Sit up top and then just move down in the second half in the pouring rain and watch Zolak, who I love, or whoever, or C-Cools, or these guys. Suck, Hugh Millen. Sucked year after year after year. They, but you, you could tell them that, but they don't know that. You know, I mean, I was yeah, 13, no. 14. When Burke no. retired, I was 18. And I, I I knew when he was gone that I'd never see somebody like him again. But you mm. can't intellectualize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and, you, and I heard you say it the other day, and I totally agree with you. I, I, I get a kick out of Curry. I think he's great. I like Thompson. I like Kareem. I like this Golden State team. If they played the Celtics 86 team, did win a game maybe two. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to contend with, with, with Kevin. Parrish. Parrish, that front line. But the game is it's so amazing. You realize in this all-star game it's going to be played uh, that there were only two legitimate five men in the whole game. Right. Andre Drummond and and, and, uh, um, George, and, and, and neither one and, – uh, and Boogie Cousins and, and neither one is starting – Right. And that the league has finally come around to making the way the league is. The, voting, By, the right. ballot doesn't right. even the go FCG right. anymore. Right. You know, it's big and non-big or whatever they say, front court, back court, whatever. Right. That's where the world is now, you know. Yeah. But uh, so, but if you threw a team like the Celtics of 86 in the league today, it would so screw them and up. Plus, DJ could guard. I mean, Curry would still get his moments, but yeah. DJ would give Curry a lot of problems. He, would, he could guard. He would guard. And Danny could stay with him. You know, right. Danny, That's true. Danny could stay with him. So, I mean, he'd get his points. He's great. I'm not, uh, believe great me, I am player. a member of fan club right uh, so but it's the, the game is this changing is it it's so totally three centric now it's and these guys i mean i, I believe i saw a number recently that i, I don't even that the the team is shooting 42 percent on threes that's which means it's, it's him it's thompson, thompson it's it's a green, green it's Iguodala, livingston and it's yeah, right. barbosa livingston right. oh my right. god what what was the process of writing the book with Bird? I imagine that. Oh, but Bird, well, was go out to French Lick for a week, and and right. you sit there, uh, and we basically sat in. Where'd his, you stay? At his house. I stayed in. You the stayed house. in his house. Stayed okay. at the house. This is the house. This is the, the house. That, the house with the spread, the thirteen acres. That you're is that where they actually the shot the commercial with Magic yes. Johnson? Yeah, and okay. the ba- and the back and and the, and the outdoor court down down right. on the block. all real. This is all real. Right. He's got, he had a pool. And he had visitors during the week. And among them, uh, uh, Rick Carlisle came. Right. Uh, I was did Fernie come? No. Oh, it was. Um, I think maybe Eric Furniture may have come. But he had visitors during the week. The book you came know. out in like '87 or '88. Yeah. 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 Um, it, we we did it in the summer of '87. And okay. And I wrote the book. And uh, so I went out there for a week, and we'd, we'd sit all day, you know, or you know, and have lunch break and talk. Uh, and I, you know, I had you know interview him, and then you you the same way I did the book with Havlicek. It's where you did a book with Cousy. Right. And it's what you, you know you, you do, and then you you get all this. Uh, stuff transcribed. My mother did it because she was a champion secretary. Uh, otherwise, you got to get somebody to transcribe all this stuff, you know. And uh, well, then you you go and write the book, and you try to write the book in the in the voice of that person as much as you can, you know. And 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 it, uh, doing verbatim as much as you can, you know. And it's a it's, it's an art to it. I uh, it's not it's no fun. It's hard. These are awfully difficult books for the writer, you know, that, because you want to you, know, you need to make it in the voice of that person. And um, we had one other little issue, which was that Bob Wolf uh, was his agent and mm-hmm. and, and, and a protector, uh, and he was a he he had a, he exercised some you know late influence on on t- getting some things taken out that he thought would not reflect well on Larry's image. Is that with the the daughter? Some yeah yeah some other stuff and and uh, but, he, you know, but, Bird, and but Bird would answer everything had to put right up, you know yeah well Larry went along with it Larry right. Larry went along with it and you know so the book you know they wanted the book that would that the grandmothers would like. Right. As, Were you surprised much. if I told you in, in 91 or 92 that Larry Bird, 25 years, no, is that right? Yeah, 25, 25 years it later, 25 it would years. be a, you know, basically a lifetime NBA coach. I wouldn't think lifetime, office. but I did honestly say at the time, if there's one person around who might be have a chance at being the Jerry West of his era, you know, in terms of, in other words, a great player who actually might be able to, you know, be a personnel guy, uh, it, it was Larry. But the, the the idea of the lifetime, no, no, I didn't think so. Because he was smarter than everybody thought, yeah, yeah, right? much more. I knew this. I knew it. You know, I used to say, I used to kid that he, I said he had successfully evaded the American educational system, <laughs> you know, for 20 years. I mean, when you grow there, I, go, I went to French Lick enough to understand a little bit about the culture and, and the world he grew up in and talking to him about what it was like to grow up. And and the, the fatalism of growing up there and, you're, you know, you're, you have your station in life – 
uh, you're supposed to, uh, you know, uh, you not go outside of it. You don't. There's rich people. You don't have anything to do with them. Uh, you, uh, you, you, you know, you go to school, but you don't give a damn about school. You, you get a job. You, 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 you fish and you hunt and and you drink beer and you cheer for the Hoosiers. You know, right? And 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 that and that that's your life. And uh, Larry it was the education was not valued in, in in Orange County where he grew up at all. And and he wasn't stupid, uh, but and he was he wasn't really well educated. But he was never stupid. And he saw. And once he got here, oh my God, this like this world opened up. He loved it here. The only thing he didn't like was traffic. Other than that, he just loved the opportunities here and loved it. And you know, he grew up in public and grew up. I thought very well. Does a lack of accessibility now with these guys oh. bother you? I mean, no, totally, it's totally. The whole world is so different. I mean, you know, yeah. The jokes. I mean, I, 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 I told us about guys who cover today would not believe the, like, the the nature of how we went about our business as opposed to how they go about their business. But one of the things that, w- that enabled me to do what I did as well as I did was the fact that I had no competition. I mean, the Herald guy, Eddie Gahuli, who was a friend uh, of mine, you know, we, we got along great and when we was out there. We did some good drinking together. Uh, but Eddie had like three jobs at the Herald. You know, he, right. he had to cover the Celtics. He had to cover, he was Mr. Z during the football season, which was a big football prognostication <laughs> thing. Right. And he had to work the desk. Right. And he didn't have time to go to practice. They wouldn't let him spring right. him to go to practice. I was the only person at practice many, many, many times in the years 70, 71, 72. So what's the a, so only road, person. So a road trip to Milwaukee, yeah. you'd go. Of course you'd go. He'd go. First of all, yeah, well, you know, Maybe. You, you'd go. Yeah, no, he'd go on the road. But, but I mean, in terms of the daily access, I'd go. Right. Here's the demo. I would go. They, when they play, say they, they, when all the years they were at Hellenic College in right. Brooklyn. I'd get there about an hour before practice, maybe a little more uh, before. I would go in the locker room and hang around, just sit there, you know, talk to guys, schmooze. No notebook. Just shoot the breeze, you know. Right. Uh, or hear the word with the S word, you know. Right. And, and you, you know, and I it. got to know them, you know, I got to know everybody's uh, you know, name, the kids and the wives and the girlfriends. And the, or the both, and you know, frankly, and uh, right. uh, and and the sibs, and and you know, and we got, and then I'd go pop into uh, Heinsohn's office, oh, and and um, you know, see what's going, you know, anything, you know, today at practice, and and then watch the entire practice. To the point where I got to know the entire offense. I knew the plays. When I called out the four play, I knew what the four play was. When I called out the six, I knew what the six was, et cetera, et cetera. The 15, oh, my God, which was Don Nelson's bread and butter play? Yes, I did. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, the 14, I mean. Then, um, uh, and then after practice, uh-huh. now I pull out the notebook. You know. Right. Now I go in. I, whatever the storyline I wanted to get for that off day was, you know, they're fine. I might even go to lunch with them, you know. Yeah. Now, a, a trip. Uh, would mean that you congregate at the airport together. Uh, you know, you right? Get they flew the, commercial. You get on the plane together. Uh, when you got to the, air, the airport, you got on the bus with them to the hotel. They always stayed at the same hotel. You got on the bus to go to the game uh, or, or the shoot around if there was a shoot around with or, them. Yes, with right. them. And some and, and quite often uh, they uh, we, you you were able to get your thing done and and go back with them. And I can tell you there were times when they held the bus and waited for myself. And you can ask Steve Bullpet; they'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> when did and, it change? Oh, the change with I mean, was there a moment? It basically started the change uh, uh, in the mid '80s with two things: charter flights, which mm-hmm. the Pistons became the big charter flight team. That to that time, nobody, only the Knicks, had ever in, back in the old days ever chartered very much, uh-huh. and the Bulls. I always say the two biggest things that changed life of writers in the NBA were the, were the charter flights, which meant you no longer travel with them, and the Bulls. You and mean the just bull- the size of Jordan, the whole thing? The the way – well, when they, they they became a secretive organ- a KGB oh, team, right. a Belichickian kind of right. team. And and also they had you know they traveled they built a new practice facility in which was uh, very definitely a them and an us thing you, they they had a separate parking lot you didn't even know who was there or not there you didn't get this and and then the gradual change and not letting, letting people come to practice uh, for sure uh, you know and, and you only come in at the end and you don't really see practice the other thing happened as more and more people came around they they were they were able to control the situation about who's in the locker room what people were hearing they were people were starting to report things. When I was doing it, I had to demonstrate over a period of time that I was trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And by trustworthy, you know, that I knew when I heard stuff, um, what was printable and not printable, or what was printable in six weeks that isn't printable today, and how to protect somebody, and not, you know, and, and you know, at, at, without attribution uh, and, and all that. And now there's too many people wandering around a locker room they couldn't trust anymore, so they had to shut the locker room down. It doesn't feel, beat writers now just don't feel, I'm trying to search for the word, it doesn't feel personalized it, no. well, well, but it's not the, and I know it's not largely not their fault but when I read the beat writer now whether it's at the Globe or the Herald or anywhere 
you know, you feel like they are really removed from the situation. They try to keep them as, as far away as Which, possible. Which, frankly, so, I understand from their perspective. I mean, and I, I had a laugh. It, it, you know, for me, it was just so different when uh, uh, a number of years ago when uh, Brandon Jennings came to town for the first time with the Bucks. And, right. and I wanted to do a story uh, uh, by talking to KG about – you know, he he broke them all. You know, he's the one sure. that changed everything in '95. By you know, after that first little four-way, twenty years earlier, right. we had Dawkins Moses. and we had Moses and we right. had Bill Willoughby, and that was right. it. Right. Ended. Boom. Right. Okay. Now suddenly in '95, this kid from Chicago wants to get in the draft, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and of course we know how, we all know how what that triggered and how it worked out. So I wanted to talk to him about about that and ask him what made him think he was you know could do it and blah blah blah. Well, that's great. The only problem, I had, to, I had to go to Jeff Twist. I had to set it up. I had to get a, I had to have it, you know, like a formal interview set up rather than me just walking up to him right, like I would have walked up to Bird or McHale or, or Havlicek or Cowan. Just talking for 10 minutes. You know, I had to set it up, you know, with a big formal deal. Right. I just thought, and he was fine, by the way. Yeah. He gave me a great answer because he's very bright and he, and, he, and he gave me the answers and it was a story and I was able to do the story. It was fine. But I had to, I just thought, oh my God, how far we've come. That I got my own guy, you know, quote unquote. Right. My own guy right. that I got to go through channels right. to talk with rather than just walking up to him like, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I give an example. Uh, you know, you'd hang around after practice. I'd retrieve balls, you know. I would shoot and retrieve. Uh, Kevin, one day, I was retrieving for Kevin over at, uh, over at Hellenic, and, and he says to me, I'm going to show you something. I said, what's that? So he gets the ball. He puts on a move. And he says, see that move? I said, yeah. He said, it's a great move. He says, I can't use it. I said, why? Because they'll call traveling, and it's not. And went, little things, moments right, that right. don't exist for yeah, any well, writer. You'll never get that now, right? Now. Right. You know, and so I'm so – I keep saying, Kirk – I am so glad I did it when I did it and where I did it. And I mean by where I did it, I mean, you know, this city with the, with the sports interest and – but the, the the readership, the people who cared. The, we used to get – you know, the feedback that we got here long before there was direct interaction. So what was your, right, so your feedback in – let's just say you wrote something that people didn't like in 83. What was – how would you get feedback? Just people write you letters? Letters. Letters and, and uh, maybe phone call. You know, letters, phone call to the Globe, letters, and... Uh, uh, Would you write back to everybody or not? I tried, yeah. I mean, didn't get that many. You couldn't acknowledge. You know, right. I tried, always tried. I was appreciative of it. Uh, and, you know, where, yeah, I mean, it was just, there was a feedback. Or you go to the garden and people would talk to you, you know. Uh, I know the guys would come in from L.A. You can ask them. And, and during that, the, the great, you know, the 84, 87 run. Sure. We and, and the interaction I had with people, they were surprised because nobody knew who they were in L.A. L.A. is a company town, but that company is, you know, and you all know it's about movies movie industry they they didn't have that kind of interaction with fans in la the, the beat writers for the la times and the la then herald examiner or the other suburban papers that that came in they were just amazed at, at uh you know the reaction that people had to me as a well, wandered around the garden or around town you know and it was just the nature of this town i guess to bring it all back then is there part of you that changed that wasn't quite the same after the whole jamana kid thing no. Or no. Would you no. say you were the I mean, same guy? I mean, it was just, oh, positively. It was just, you know, it was, I, I, you were I gun wish, shy after that? Because sometimes, I, again, yeah. I'll just. Yeah. From my, I mean, no, I was, you know, I mean, I was back. People, uh, you know, I just had to put up a little bit of crap and just still do it. Every once in a while, people, will, uh, something will happen. And, and, of course, if you go Google it, you know, you'll go, you'll, 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 you'll go Google me and, and, and you'll find. Yeah, but if I Google your name right now, it's not the top thing. And you'll get something on the, on the latest one, too, now, you know. And, right. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to have to live with that, you know. And, and, and it was stupid. And they both were, they both were, you know, well, the, the first one was, anyway, it was just stupid. And uh, I, I went, and, and both cases, Lobel on the show in question. He gave you a raft. Gave me a chance to get right. out of it, and I didn't. I doubled up, and, and so did Lebertard. He gave me a chance to get out of it with Jackson, and I didn't take the advantage of the opportunity. I know you're not going to, you don't want I to double up. I'll just say this. From my own end, I, I think the, the kid thing was absurd because I know you didn't mean it. And I'm not sure you're not. I don't expect you to say anything. I'm not sure you said anything wrong about Mark Jackson personally. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I've, I we talked about it on our show. I, I don't think, but I understand from your spot when you, that, the way ESPN is now, you just you just can't do. It. I mean, ESPN ESPN has changed a lot in the last twenty years. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what hasn't? But I mean, right. uh, but I understand that that you. But, it, but, but put it this way: like I got suspended for the Aaron Andrews thing mm-hmm, a couple mm-hmm. summers ago. Mm-hmm. I I I I, uh, I called her a bitch, which I should not have done. A, I don't know her, so it was a stupid thing to say. And B, I knew if you walked if you walked up to me at five fifty eight that morning and said, "Kirk, what will happen if you say that word to describe her?" I'll say, "Well, I'll get suspended." Yeah, it's right. a stupid fucking thing to say. So I knew the rules going in, and I violated them. So if that, I think that might be your argument. Well, mine was like this, though. It's funny with this Jackson thing. I'm, I, I 
I was in my living room, literally in my living room. With Levitard? Yeah, on the phone. Yeah, right. On the phone. And now I'm going out in the afternoon. I'm getting in the car, and all of a sudden I went, oh, shit. He works for ESPN. So there was I'm no, so there was no, trouble. so there was no thing in your stomach when you first said it, because nope. there was for me. I was when, feeling smug, really. Because when I did it, I was it, feeling smug, and and then when, I. Went, how, how long did it take for it to become a thing? It didn't even really become a thing in terms of. Well, that's the way they handled it, which was right. very discreet, and I was very grateful. But there was not a big me. outcry against you. Not big, no. It wasn't on Deadspin no. at first. It wasn't no. on. It, it didn't get. A, eventually, got the big lead. They they came right. around after the fact. After I was after the suspension was over. So they just right. That's a what two I mean. week, It was a two week suspension. Well, you say it came out during a football game announcement or something. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was the day of the AFC Championship. Right, and they just contacted you right away and said, "Call me." Call me and um, said, um, uh, "We're going to print a thing in an hour." Uh, I got to know a te- text. I got a text or an email. I forget. This which. is when they announced this. Email. Got an email. Right. He's talking about the big lead. Oh, you're talking no, about the no, I'm talking about when. Oh, when it was, they done, first it was said all you. done. It was all done within um, uh, 27 hours or 28 hours. And you didn't fight it. You just knew. Uh, oh no, no, right? No, I know. I didn't fight it. My God. I mean, I said, uh, "Thank you. I appreciate. It. I know I screwed up, and I, right. I won't. I won't do anything that dumb again." And and uh, thank you for you know. I mean, I was you know, and I meant it. That was no. But that's, false but that's the life. That's the life of somebody who has opinions, though, and has a brain oh, yeah. and thinks well, about I things. Know. Occasionally, you're going to step you know, in shit. But, you know, it. Uh, you know, but you know, that don't but, feel bad about it. Well, I. But I'm. I'm angry with myself for not thinking it out. That you know, I. I you know. I forgot who was back on the broadcast team at, <laughs> on, on on you know at the at the company you know right. So, do you um, uh, do you um, think you know twenty thirty? Let's just say right, say this way. My son Harry, my youngest, uh, mm-hmm. is will be four years old in a couple of months. When he's twenty four, thirty four. Let's say when he's thirty four, thirty years from now, will there be a physical Boston Globe waiting for him every no. Sunday? A I've physical Boston. I've been stunned. When does I, it I, end? Um, I, 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 you know, I predicted this end a long time ago that I didn't know when it was going to be 20, 30, 40, uh, that there would be uh, the print, uh, the daily print thing will be gone. There, will be, there might be some national thing for like a la the Wall Street Journal for people, for the real elite who were the uh, times, right? Something like that uh, left. But that I also thought that along the way that the, uh, uh, the mid-sized papers would be total casualties that we – I said I predicted long ago, 25, 15 years ago, that we, the Boston Globe, would be the last thing standing in all of New England, that in between – all the in-betweens would be gone. You mean like the but little the sons, week, But the town – yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, 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 but the town crier papers, the weeklies, might still su- exist because of the local news factor. Yep. I agree. And, and, and you know, all your weeklies – I, mean, I subscribe to the Hingham Journal, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that you need that still and that they might survive. That was just a guess I made 15 years ago right Philly you know uh, no, I don't think the answer is that Harry's going to be reading the paper in 2030. Well, would you be surprised if we walked out of there today and you looked at your phone and all of a sudden there was an announcement that just say the Herald was, was no? It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like no, we're we're no. at we're at. Oh, well, it's amusing to me about the Herald, and I love the good uh, look. I'm, I'm I'm so happy to live in a two paper. Is that they they kill us? You know the boring broadsheet, and they love every story, and and they're killing us, and they're tossing, and and Howie, of course, is out there. Uh, you know about making fun of our finances. <laughs> Who are they kidding? Right. Who are they kidding? You know, right. no, they're bad too, right? You know, come on. I mean, yeah, we're both in this thing together in terms of surviving in a, in a world that is going against, the, you know, uh, that is not in our way. And um, um, so, you know, it doesn't feel the same, though. I'm telling you, it doesn't feel the same to look at the newspaper on the phone. It just doesn't feel the no, same. It doesn't. As and it, in your, I don't and think I you, that's where I don't relics, think you absorb the information. Plus, you, you know, there's so many reasons why it's better. You, 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 you. Turn the page. You see something you weren't looking for. I True. think when you when you go online, you're looking for. You know, you're going online. You're reading the sports. You're not reading the rest of the paper. Well, right? It's like going to a bookstore versus Amazon. Amazon, you're targeting a book. Right. When you go to the, whatever a local bookstore exactly. or Barnes. Oh no, you, you're so right. You stumble on something. But but that habit. But the you know the, correct the, the generation. And now we're in the second or even you know definitely the second generation the second, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't have this habit and doesn't give a damn. What about what's happening with TV? I, explain something to me. Sure. All right. Uh, I'm reading about the demise of ESPN because of the two factors. One is that they, uh, you know, uh, sling boxes, the, the bundling the, thing. Right. You know, well, mm-hmm. they got away with it. Charge, mm-hmm. and and people are unbundling and all mm-hmm. that in general terms. So I, right. I understand that. Right. And and that's fine. But the, the idea that people are not taking people, the millennials or the Gen Xs, don't watch TV at all. Uh, it's only. Streaming stuff that they are you telling me that they prefer to, to look at, at something in the palm of their hand than a 72 inch screen watching the game? I don't get that. Well, that's what I get. Is that happening? Uh, really I'm, happening? It is, but I don't understand. Well, how can I, they? What, I talk to young guys the, who produce. What's the matter with them? Who work here. And I say, you want to watch the Masters on yeah. your phone? Yeah. You want to watch the Final Four on your phone? But, that, but when we say that, we, I guess we sound like 
I don't know, like my grandfather used to sound. Like I know, he, but I, I mean, mean, I don't get it. You I want mean, to listen to music on this little Walkman? You know, it's kind of funny. I was in North Carolina, but the, the flip side of that is, is just still the theory. I was in Carolina last week. I happened to be in Salisbury, North Carolina, and so you know, it was Panthers country, and uh, I heard several ads for people, you know, advertising. You know, but the big game on Sunday, you know, you need a good TV, you know, right, right, you know, right. trying to go out and you know, right. buy that 72 incher, you know, right. so they were appealing to that crowd that still wants to do it. It's changed. It's totally changed. I know. And, you know, you know, you sound you, you don't want to sound old. I tried not to be you know, I, I have enough opinions that go against the grain in sports. But, but I hope I, I don't. One thing it hasn't that I'd like to emphasize, though, I'm always I love the the turnover of people, you know, the turnover of talent. I still look forward to seeing a new, the next big thing, you know, I'm, um, you know, and 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 um, I appreciate what well, a Curry special. We, we've never seen anything Trump quite Trump. like Curry. We've never seen a guy that could shoot from that yeah. distance uh, and get his own shot. Ray yeah. Allen could shoot from the distance, couldn't get his own shot the right. way that he needed to pick. He He's had to the come best off shooter the... I've ever seen. I hate yeah. to say and now, it. It and pains me to say it's it, a combination but, yeah. of Ray Allen and I'm I'm going to say Iverson. Iverson could yep. always get his own shot from 15. Right. You know, but he would but shoot, that crossover. But he would shoot 42, 41 percent. Yeah. I mean, but this guy's this guy's. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, another guy is you know when if Mike Trout stays healthy. Oh. If he retires, mm-hmm. he's 38, 39, he's going to hit 600 home runs. He's going to win six or seven MVPs. I mean, you're right. In each of these sports, you want to appreciate Russell Wilson. You want to appreciate these guys. Yeah. But, but you, know, you know, I do Or Cam. Or Cam. You know, Cam had a bad day. Well, now, we, now we're already – I'm already thinking about, oh, boy, you know – Dying to see what, how he comes out back from this. You know what he does next year. You know, right? Uh, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm, I think. You know, on the, on the field. So no, you're sticking no. around. We're going to read you once a week for a while. Thirty, yeah. what, whatever. Thirty, 30 to forty, which is two or three a month. So that's not going away. No, you, not unless you, not as long as Joe Sullivan, sports editor. We're, we're gonna I, I think on, I'm safe. We're going to see you on TV all the time. As long as at least for another year, because now we're on a contract situation at ESPN, uh, and uh, that was uh, that just started two years ago. So, right. um, you know, but so I have one. I'm all set for this year, and I'm I'm looking. I'm thinking about them year to year because I'm not sure. You know, they laid off 300 people, as you know. They they let right. some big price people go. Right. I don't know where they're going. When they're going to decide? Oh, do we need these people? You know. Plus, I'm 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 getting up there. You know, I mean, I've I've already challenging the the age demographic thing. You know, so uh, I'm 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 not certain about them, but I'm fine there. Comcast and I are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my radio. Wish I could say the same. So, you know. <laughs> so, you know, what uh, you, you know what you like? You know what? I just see this with you, though. You like, you said you like being in the newsroom. I haven't seen you do that, but I, I see you at Comcast. You like being in the middle of the action still. It's like when I was a school clerk. I was one of these guys that I couldn't imagine not living in the dorm. Right. The last thing in the world I want to do is live in an apartment off campus. Right, right. Last thing in the world. I, I wanted to be able to walk out the door and walk down a corridor and, and somebody and, and get a conversation. But you like being a character in the play. Get a conversation. Yes. yes. I mean, that was the way, to me, that was what school was, not right. living in an apartment right. and, and having to do your own laundry and worrying about food and, and not to mention it, just the socialization factor. I loved it. And I loved the office for the same reason. I like, like being part of that group. You know, I, and, Do you and, feel when you walk into the, the Globe now though, that you're sort of, you know... They're used to seeing me come in. I mean, yeah. I, I, but do you, I, I mean, do you start looking at these people and saying, geez, these people are 50 years younger. Oh, years well... Younger. I mean, is know, that, does that bother you feel... No, no, no. I'm, I'm always... I've never been an ageist, a worried guy about any of that. Uh, uh, no, I, I accept that as part of the deal, and it's uh, that's, that's always been fine, you know. And so, um, you know, I get a kid like... A kid, a guy like Ken, Chris Gasper, who basically, I would say, succeeded me, you know. And I'm really happy that he's the one. And, uh, he's, you know, but... He's got an old soul, though he really does, and that's you know, I like that. But no, the answer is no. I've never been I've never been hung up on all that stuff. That just doesn't. That's never the way I've been. All right. Well, Bob, I appreciate the time. Oh, thanks for Hopefully having me. We'll it was do fun. this again. I'll drag you in here again at some point. Say Lauren and Wally for me. I shall. All okay. Right. All right, Kirk. <laughs> okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.